Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lost Teams podcast. I am Anthony Cerdelli here once again with my co-host Andrew Lennox. Andrew, how are things going? Ah, uh, not too bad, Anthony. How you doing, bud? Doing good. Uh, had some gr- some uh, bad breakfast sausage, so feeling a little wonky, but I think I, I can battle through. People Jimmy have been Dean through worse. Sausage or what? Yes, I have Jimmy Dean. Oh, that's, that's, that's why you're sick. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've got another uh, special guest host today, one of my childhood friends and uh, former, reti- now retired, professional uh, Ultimate Frisbee player, Steve Kenton. Nice. Steve, how you doing? <laughs> hey, guys. Good, good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Glad yeah. to have you, Steve. So we're, we're going to do, Steve's going to tell us a little bit about uh, your, I mean, besides Ultimate Frisbee, probably your favorite sport, right? Yeah, I'd say so. It, it, in another world, there's a if there's ever an episode on um, the lost leagues, like an entire league going under, I can happily tell the story of Major League Ultimate. But until there's we get good, there, there fun. will be some good stories. That's good. There's some good. And can we talk about the like lead up to like your a little bit of your college career too? Because that's <laughs> that's gold. We can. We might have to put the uh, NSFW uh, sticker on that episode. But yeah, sure. happy to that's happy awesome. to come back sometime. Sounds yeah. good. All right. So, uh, what team are you going to tell us about today, and and what sport? So today, um, I've got Wimbledon FC, so Wimbledon Football Club from Southwest London, a uh, now failed or will sort of discover um, risen from the ashes uh, soccer team, English Premier League soccer team. So Awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think I've heard some of the, the tidbits before. I'm, I'm excited, especially about some of the stuff we've gone over. So uh, yeah, yeah, let's it should hear be it. good. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's uh, comparable to the Chicago Cats. <laughs> that we did in an a earlier little, episode yeah another soccer club <laughs> yeah it's kind of an amazing sport like uh you know soccer like well like a lot of the teams you guys talk about you know before mega tv deals are just like so reliant on being run like a business and run yeah. well and when you <laughs> when you don't do that well bad things happen so oh definitely you're uh, in the wimbledon fc world so yeah, so the the name should sound sort of mildly familiar to a lot of your listeners. You know, Wimbledon, obviously the the famous tennis championship, um, and and the reason for that is both Wimbledon FC and the tennis championship take place in the same part of um, of Southeast London, and so that's where a lot of soccer teams tend to get their names. Um, you know, it's it's based almost exclusively around where you're from. You know, in the U.S., we're used to like the same kind of a situation, but then you have a mascot usually associated with it, right. like Chicago yeah. Black Sox, Boston Red Sox. And then Is the Wimbledon a big city? Uh, it's, it's more like, um, like a suburb. Maybe a, yeah, like a, yeah. A, a part of the city. So, oh, sure. you know, like the Bronx or Brooklyn and New York, yeah. you know, Wimbledon is like, you know, a, a, a major part of London, but um, one of many. So Sure, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the team is formed in, in 1889, so a little bit older than a lot of the teams that, that you guys talk about on here. Um, and as I mentioned, shares its name with, with the tennis championship um, and is somewhat of an institution in the area. While they spend a lot of their um, storied history kind of in the lower leagues, lower divisions of, uh, of the this kind of soccer pyramid in the UK, um, they, they end up seeing some success later on in their in their years but for the most part um are nothing really to write home about passionate fans you know uh some good results here and there but again spend most of their time in the kind of semi-professional side of 
of the English Premier League soccer world. And we'll get into a little bit about how that kind of tiered system works. Do they have like a nickname like the Arsenal's what the Gunners or anything like that? They do. They have a, they have a variety of nicknames. Uh, and you're, Anthony, you're going to have to quote me on them because I remember we talked about them last time. It's like the Wimble or the, the Wombledons or the Wimbledons. Hello, Dons. governor. I'm going to go watch myself a game of the Wombles. <laughs> the Wombles, <laughs> yeah. So like most, uh, most soccer teams, whether you're into the, uh, the chanting and the singing of the songs, they all tend to have like kind of dopey names. And, and Wimbledon yeah. even has some players that <laughs> it's just like, is that a real player's name? Like that was the name his parents chose. <laughs> uh, and, and we'll get into those names down, down the road here. But maybe uh, uh, somewhat foreshadowing uh, silly names uh, and failed teams. Maybe there's something synonymous there. So their home ground is called Plow Lane, which uh, is a running Plow joke Lane. between Anthony and that. Plow Lane, like one plows the driveway or... Uh, I understand the yeah. other meaning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, yeah. Well, we can, we'll, we'll move on uh, from that. But <laughs> all the listeners understand. Well, some teams um, went up there to get plowed. Sorry. Yeah. Or, or deliver a plowing perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Let's go not, with that. Yeah. Not, uh, <laughs> not always the strongest team, but um, this is their home ground for about 80 years and eventually is sold in the early nineties for a Safeway shopping center. So that kind of tells you, I mean, you guys, you talk about this quite a bit on the podcast, like team ownership is oftentimes about making, just making a buck. Right. And no stranger here to that. I mean, oftentimes, like I'm trying to think of some exceptions, exceptions like Green Bay Packers are interesting because they're like they're owned by the fans. You yeah. know, you kind of own shares. And, and so the incentives are different there, as with Wimbledon or a lot of the, other, you know, U.S. based sports. Um, you know, the, the, the goal is to make money, um, especially when you have foreign investors, you know, coming in pumping money into these teams and they want to win championships, but ultimately they want to drive up the value of the club. And um, so that's sort of what happens here. Foreign ownership eventually um, decides that selling off the ground for uh, a safe way <laughs> is perhaps more profitable in the long run than trying to maintain a marginally successful soccer team. Well, it's kind of the opposite. That's like a, a very like cool kind of cold business decision versus like some of the sports that were started in the seventies in the United States, like the cats where it's like, it really felt like it's just a bunch of businessmen doing cocaine being like, I feel like soccer is going to be big. Can, should we do soccer? <laughs> Who are we going to hire for our, our for our, our league commissioner? Oh, how about we do Bob Cousy, the NBA player who's never played. <laughs> yeah. Like, and where are we going to play? Let's just have a play at a high school field. Yeah. Why oh, this parking lot looks good. <laughs> yeah. So as with, as with a lot of the teams, yeah, especially you guys feature in the 70s, just kind of like chaotic ownership does not help the situation. And so um, the team, we'll kind of get into some of the nitty gritty in a bit here, but um, the team eventually goes bankrupt in 2003. Um, so we're talking 1889 to 2003 is a pretty good run. That's a great but the, run. Yeah, it's, a, it's, you know, <laughs> especially relative to a lot of the teams. Yeah. Uh, the other lost teams, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 100 plus years of, of a, I would say maybe 60 to 70 of those years are, are what the English Premier League or, or what English soccer would refer to as semi-professional. So we don't really have the same kind of system here in the U.S. where you have promotion and relegation. Uh, where, I wish where we success- did have that. Yeah, th- there's like a lot of... A league yeah. that could really do that is the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think so. There's so many good, or I mean, there's just a like 
a handful of just excellent teams and the rest of the teams are just like minor league teams. I have it's, a question actually. Um, yeah. So let's say a team gets regulated. Would they get paid the same like the players or do they have to take pay cuts? It's a good question. So two things happen when a team gets relegated. Um, and this ha- So there's four tiers of um, what they call professional soccer in, in England. And those are like top down. So you have the Premier League, you have a league called the Championship, and then you have League One and League Two. Mm-hmm. And and even beyond those, I mean, that goes down to like, I don't know, 12 or 15 tiers. But, but oh. those are the ones that you hear about most because those are the, the professional ones. And the system works the same whether you're in the Premier League or in, you're in the Blue Square, Blue Square Premier League South number four. Like, if you do well enough, you get promoted to the next one. And some of these leagues are regional and then they sort of grow into because – you know, you've got to pay for transportation and yeah. the harder you have to go, the harder it is to pay. And so anyway, um, I, I promise I'm going to answer your question, but no, no problem. I was just wondering, <laughs> I've always wondered that actually, even because I know in like Anthony and I are, our favorite sport is hockey. And yeah, I've always wondered with the European leagues over there, because they have like the same type of system. Same, same system. Yeah. Yeah. So I was always wondered about. Sure. Stuff. So it doesn't like promotion and relegation work the same way for the player contracts as they do for the team um, like media and sponsorship. So if you're a Premier League player and your team gets relegated, meaning you finish in one of the, the bottom three position league positions, yeah. um, you may have a, a insert in your contract that says you have to take a 20% pay cut or a 50% pay cut. Um, and you know, you can also say, well, I want to be traded now. You know, you can get sold. Yeah. Like if you're a top player and you're making a ton of money, they may not even be able to afford your, your pay cut wages if you get relegated. Oh, um, wow. In which case, you, you will also probably say, I want to be traded because I want to play at the, the top. So, yeah, of course. So, and then the same works with promotion. If you're, let's say you're in the championship and you're maybe a top 20 player in the league, you may have an incentive in your contract that if your team gets promoted, you get a 20, 30% pay raise um to kind of incentivize you to stick around and then there's bonuses you know players get get bonuses for uh stepping on the field so if you don't play you're going to take home your weekly wage but if you sub if you if you sub into the game or you start a game you get paid if you score goals you get paid so it's kind of like a very incentivized success is financially incentivized tremendously um, over there and then for the teams the real danger with relegation is loss of tv deals so I forget, you know, it's, it's at least a billion, if not more dollars every year that the TV networks pay the teams just to broadcast the games. Yeah. If you're not in the Premier League, it's much harder to get on TV because people are less interested in watching those games. Mm-hmm. And so you lose, uh, you lose millions of dollars. Just like if you get promoted into the Premier League, you gain millions of dollars. So anyway, I hope that there answers are, your question. Andy. No, yeah, you did a great job of answering that. <laughs> yeah, because I've just always wondered how the system actually works totally it really and, and hockey it really there. flips like it really does create like an incentive to win and not tank it just it's like yeah, the total. Like it. they did it so well <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's kind of wild too because you see teams start to make very crazy decisions if they're especially if they're in like one of the bottom three places as the year goes on where they'll like hire and fire two or three managers they'll like They'll just sort of go nuts because the, the the financial incentives on your players and on your and on your team itself to stay in the Premier League is so insane. 
Um, and the same goes, it's just relative to which of those tiers you're in. And Wibbledon, like, to kind of bring things back, sort of experiences this in like a way hyper fast scenario. So as I mentioned, they, they spend like 80 years of their history playing in what's called like semi-professional. They're, they're below the top four tiers of oh, wow. the system. And not filling, they have a 15,000 seat stadium, Anthony's mm. favorite plow lane. <laughs> they're not, they, they can't fill that out because, you know, if you think about like, I don't know, a semi-professional hockey team in LA, if they had a 15,000 seat, you know, arena, there's just, I just like, I don't know, there's no way they're going to fill that out every week. It's just not yeah. possible. I don't know of really very many like lower AHL teams that can fill a 15,000 seat arena. Like the I don't think country. any, any do. I mean, yeah, maybe Toronto and Mon- and Laval or whatever. Six, I'd say 6,000, 7,000 would be the top yeah. draw in the AHL probably. Yeah. And, and I would guess at least with the AHL, a lot of your financial, like, sure, you're going to make money on ticket sales and concessions and yeah. Jersey sale, like merchandise. But a lot of your money as that team is probably coming from the professional franchise you're a part of, right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. yeah if okay. the team's affiliated with. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't somebody. even know. I don't know if it used to be like some of the minor league teams in hockey, the top teams weren't affiliated with like NHL clubs. But I don't, I don't know. Anthony might be able to answer that. Is that. I think more, more and more so now uh, NHL teams are buying buying the like minor league teams so that they actually own them like i i re- when the ducks moved from their ahl thing from like norwalk i think to san diego they bought the norwalk team and then moved the franchise to san diego so got it uh it, and then they, they usually they establish a new team or something in that area and it's like east coast league or something it's really it's kind of weird but um it seems like in england this is just not a thing which is pretty cool yeah <laughs> I mean, you have, you have an interesting, um, what they call like a loan system where you can, rather than buying and selling a player's contract and rights, you can loan a player in. Um, and this happens all the time. This is, you know, maybe a younger raw talent who needs more games. Like you would see move, moves from um, the NHL to the AHL or even spends a couple of years, you know, they're drafted at 18 but immediately sent down to play a couple of years just to get game time and, and play against better players. Same thing in, in English Premier League soccer is, and, and across Europe, you know, European soccer, you're seeing players move from, um, you know, like a 17-year-old English player who's very raw, talented, isn't going to make the starting 11 or the substitutes bench for a game. They might get loaned to like Norway or Sweden or uh, Portugal just to, just to play games. Um, so that system is very, very common and like a great way. Um, Norway a great way to like a good, a good. Do they have good soccer in Norway? In Norway, it's not bad. The, I forget what it's called, but there's basically a point system uh-huh. that um, dictates like the Reichbuchgebäuden. <laughs> that's the German one, I think. The Yeah, the Norwegian one would be like the Hidehode or something. You know? Or maybe that's the Dutch one. I don't know. Norwegian to me just is like unintelligible. We can't um, insult so, we can't insult Belgium though. We have two Belgian fans. We love you. Or Ireland. <laughs> or Ireland, yeah. We can't insult Ireland too. Dublin. Well, Bel- Belgium's Dublin. hard because they there's like seven official languages and I you know, I don't, wouldn't even know how to where to begin making fun of that. But yeah. But uh but anyway, yeah. Say Farsi. Yeah, you said Farsi, but then you then you redeemed yourself and said um, what they're Flemish. Flemish. Flemish, yeah, which is actually what they speak. 
Well, yeah. yeah, one of the as Steve said, one of the many languages there. Sorry, I will I will then the unplug myself because I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I do know that Wimbledon FC <laughs> spends, uh, you know, we, we talked about like the, the tiered system of, of English soccer and then how that also kind of translates across Europe. It, it just works that way everywhere. Um, you're incentivized to win for financial reasons. Players are incentivized to win for their contracts and to represent their national teams. Um, Wimbledon, as a result of sort of that system and, and having spent gosh, just under a hundred years of their history, not at the, in one of those four professional tiers, um, finally breaks through in 1977 for the first time. And so, you know, I don't know, I, I would, for fear of there being a Wimbledon FC fan or historian that hears this, I would say uh, that's when they really hit the radar. But I think that that doesn't do justice to the, the way European soccer teams and English soccer teams with their long history really represent their communities and the people that are from those areas. You know, you hear a lot about fans who, um, it sounds crazy, but they may not even really want their team to get promoted to the Premier League because that team means sort of like, has like blue collar feeling. It's who they, they grew probably, up watching. They probably have a lot of rivalries too. Like Rivalries at the level that, that may go away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, there's this classic, I forget the movie, Green Street Hooligans, I think it is, which features uh, Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And he, he like, I don't really remember what happens, but he ends up befriending this super fan of a team called West Ham United from London. And their big mega rival is a team called Millwall FC. And I actually have a neighbor who's from Millwall and big fan, but mm. they don't ever play each other anymore because they're in two different leagues. And like okay. for a lot of people... Um, Maybe that's too bad, but anyway. So, so there's some good and bad with this this tier system. A little bit. For the fans, I would say it, it has more of the good and bad for the teams and the owners to kind of talk, talk about that business side. Like yeah. they absolutely want to be playing at the highest level. Um, right. You can't attract the best players. You, it's harder to fill out your stadiums in most cases. Um, you know, just the, the, the financial reasons are just so strong. Um, to stay at that level and and weirdly in Wimbledon's case so I said 80-ish years of of being in the semi-professional level promoted to the league two um, or what is now called league two the names kind of change over time what they call them Mm -hmm. Um, within so that's what 80 years they're in league two 10 years later they're in the premier league for the first time which is crazy really quick rise that's that's very rare it's very hard to do especially these days without like a lot of investment um, you, it's really hard to do that organically, but you do see teams doing that. Anthony, when we chatted last time, you mentioned Leicester City, which mm-hmm. for some of your your listeners, you guys may remember or have heard that team. They um, they weren't in League Two; they were in League One, which is the next one up, and, and won the English Premier League in 2015, having been three tiers below that. You know, ten years before, it's just like that level of rapid success is unheard of. Um, and I, I don't want to take us off the rails again, but I remember hearing something in some random trivia that. Up until that point, or maybe just before that, there were only four teams that had ever won the Premier League title. It's like Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, and Liverpool or something. Yeah, As it's of when? Like 10 years 1992. ago. 1992. Oh, so okay. really? from 1992 until 2015, I'm, I'm going to have to get my facts right here. I want to say there were five teams that had won the Premier League. Because 1992 is when what we are calling the English Premier League becomes the Premier League. Before that, mm-hmm. it was uh, the English gosh. Football League. 
I just yeah, looked it up exactly. on Wikipedia. Different name. Yeah. So different name, but but when people talk about Premier League champions or Premier League championships, the way we all know it, that's what they're referring to since 1992 onward. And it's Blackburn Rovers, who I think win the first one um, and are now in the championship. They've kind of been wallowing down there. Uh, Manchester United, who everybody knows because they've won a whole bunch. Yeah. Leicester City. Liverpool just won it last year. Chelsea. Uh, Arsenal. And that and Manchester City. So what's that? Seven teams, um, I think. Um, yeah. But incredibly hard to do. And so from 1992 to 2020, you know, uh, what's that? 18 years. Ten of those were Manchester United. So really you're talking about like it's a very small group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's of, um, and it's just I, did, I didn't know anything about that. That's did, did you say that Wimbledon FC had they won the Premier League or the or the football league or they were just in it? They just made it in there. So they had made it into that top tier okay. um for the very first time um in the late eighties, eighty seven, um eighty six, eighty seven. Got it. So that's this is now their first opportunity to potentially win that league, even though that doesn't happen and <laughs> way worse <laughs> things end up happening. Um but they're there. And that's a huge, you know, that's a huge thing. This is, you know, to, to kind of draw some parallels to U.S. sports, you know, this is, this is the late 80s. So this is before the time of mega TV deals. This yeah. is before the time of like, you know, I don't know, a player in the U.S. maybe like breaks the record for uh, um, how much another team's paying for them by paying like a million bucks or something. Yeah. Or like maybe their salary is a million dollars. You know, these are like the financial stuff has changed so much across sports in terms of like sponsorships and media and marketing and all that. And and this is no different than that. And so the reason I'm mentioning that is because in order to be successful at this level, it's even, it's like less about the TV deals and more about being successful and filling out your stadium. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, if you're not selling, you know, tickets, if you're not selling season tickets, away fan experiences, concessions, like you're just not really making money. Yeah. Um, $10 and it's hard. $10, 10, yeah, we all know like the bane of, I don't know, I just think like a Red Sox game where I try to figure out like at what point am I going to say, no, I'm good because I've spent my life savings on like two Goose <laughs> Island beers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, an issue for another day, the British or the English, I guess, at least have, have uh, tend to have like cheaper concessions, maybe because – beer tends to flow a little bit more generously over there right they gotta get all liquored up to fight the other hooligans (laughs) yeah exactly do it do it at the pub before before you uh you go to the stadium so so it's an interesting phenomenon that Wimbledon has because while they've had sort of this rocket rise to um like win success and and they're in the Premier League the, the attendance from the fans does not correlate to that success so their stadium even though they have a 15,000 seater stadium they're still I don't know they're not you know they're not filling it out in a way that you would expect um, a team at that level to do so and I think that speaks a little bit to what I was talking about before it's just like this is not an area that's used to having a, a professional Premier League team again they have an owner who's like less engaged and interested you know his idea is like man we've we've got Wimbledon FC on the map what's some other, what are some deals I can get going for this, this kind of desirable real estate. Right. And so that's kind of what ends up happening. The owner sells, uh, well, they try to negotiate this deal for a, um, a Safeway <laughs> grocery store, uh, which imagine being a fan and like, that's what the owner of your team does. <laughs> like you've been around for 
since 1889 and your perception of your owner is like he came in sweetened the deal for some real estate investor by having Wimbledon's name associated with this and now we want to be a grocery store fortunately that doesn't happen but imagine like put yourself in the shoes of somebody like a local whatever your local team is um and that's what happens like that sucks couldn't put that i wouldn't put that past the ducks the anaheim whole foods <laughs> oh, it could happen in portland too to be honest Yes. It'd be new seasons, but same thing up here. The Portland suffocated kumquat reps are us. <laughs> Sorry. That's, uh, <laughs> that's one of the names I heard they're throwing out for the baseball team that's supposed to be coming here. Oh, God. So we're kind of at this point where things start to fall apart. Pretty much from the 1990s onward, like early 90s onward, the team is, there's this horrible event in, uh, in the soccer world in England where um, at the stadium Hillsborough, which is uh, up sort of in the northern part of the country. Liverpool is playing Sheffield Wednesday, which is just kind of a weird-sounding team, but a historic one. Um, mm-hmm. One of the oldest English soccer teams there is. And um, at the time, players were allowed to basically just kind of like – there was seating, there was formal seating, but there was also – I think there were called terraces where players, you, as a fan you could just sort of stand and watch. Mm-hmm. Not much crowd control. And um, what ends up happening is a bunch of fans are crushed against sort of like a barrier um, between the the standing room and the field. And there's this whole big review um, across like the the English soccer system to say like, how did this happen? I think 20 some odd people die. We have to keep this from happening again. And this is really sort of what closes the book on Plough Lane is they're part of this kind of mega review of English soccer stadiums and are deemed unsafe to hold games because they're the way fans are watching games at Plough Lane is, is very similar to what's happening, what happened at um, Sheffield Wednesday's home stadium. And so they're told like, you can no longer play games here. They have an owner who's interested in selling this real estate for something else. Mm-hmm. And they also can't really fill out their stadium. It's sort of like this collision of um, really challenging factors, some of which are outside of their control, but some of which are very much inside their control. Yeah, not funny at all what happened. I, it just sounds like it's some Anthony, that stadium we talked about, or that arena in Flint. Mm-hmm. I am a, I am a, I am a arena. Oh, I remember yeah. you guys talking yeah, about no, that. Obviously, yeah. no one died, but it was yeah. just. Sounds like a dump. It's, um, places. Yeah. And that, that, uh, that, uh, we talked about this in the kind of rehearsal we did. The, um, that there's an ESPN 30 for 30 about it called Hillsboro, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I saw it. It's like a very sad, devastating, yeah. uh, event. Yeah. That sounds, it's sort of like, tough. you know, it's one of those things. And have, again, this is like, I'm not from the UK. I can't really speak to any of this stuff, but, you know, you wonder, Something did something really bad have to happen in order for this to change and, and actually make things a lot safer? I, mm-hmm. I don't know, and like I wouldn't want to say yes because that seems unfair. But it seems like since there haven't that hasn't happened since then, um, maybe it was time for some big big changes to ha- to happen. And unfortunately for Wimbledon FC, they sort of fall victim to having an unsafe stadium and are forced to play at a variety of places so that mm-hmm. their their home ground is shut down uh they 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 play some home games at their local rival a team called crystal palace which is a current premier league team uh and imagine you know i i threw this analogy out like imagine if the um 
like the Bruins had to play away games in Montreal or sorry, had to play home games in Montreal. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The Clippers have to go play their home games, you know, where the Lakers play. Like it just like they do. That is happens. that oh do they share a stadium okay yeah I, they're building I, was like, second. I was saying that i was like oh. i can i can edit that out but or like okay. um just no, the it's, it's good or, you get or the, we can it, leave it in if you if you're okay with us leaving it in we'll i don't it care in. it uh, shows my uh my what, naivete towards well, u.s sports well then <laughs> how would you even i mean how would you know i mean we're you, a lot of people don't know that we're kind of in a weird situation now with the pandemic but the feeding or the um san jose sharks just had to play their home games in phoenix for like oh two weeks because it's so bad. weird Clippers yeah. Clippers are building a new arena in Inglewood. Is that the Staples Center? That's where the Lakers Lakers, Lakers and Kings and uh, okay. a bunch of other teams. Clippers play now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it reinforces, I guess maybe for Clippers and Lakers fans, they don't care because their home stadiums are one another's home stadiums. And I don't know, their rival, they don't have as much of a rivalry maybe as like some of these other teams, like, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox or – yeah. Um, anyway, I, I know when the Clippers play. I think it's when the Clippers play at Staples Center. They make they cover all the Lakers banners. There you go. The Clippers yeah. don't have any. Right. And, and then the the Rams and Chargers play in the at the same field now too. So it's like it's just a weird thing. Yeah. It, it's you know as a as the the fan of a team, especially in U.S. sports, when it seems like these days teams can be really transient. You know, they're coming and going to different cities all the time. Like that does not happen in the UK. Like you just are in, in English soccer. Like you, if your team is from a particular place, as we'll find out with Wimbledon, like regardless of what happens, there's probably a, a team that's going to form there. If your team ends up having to leave, like, like the, the, the roots that these, these teams have are very strong. Yeah. So that goes into my question. So I was going to ask you if there's nothing like expansion teams, like a, like say there's a, a city in wherever right. in Europe somewhere and they, they don't have a team like, but they want a team. There's no such thing as like expansion teams. No, what would, what would probably happen is, um, and this does happen mm-hmm. is um, let's say like a mega rich, uh, I don't know, oil tycoon or steel baron or something like was yeah. from some small town. It's actually, there's an interesting case of this in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, I, I forget how he made his money. It, it was either pharmaceuticals or like tech, some sort of tech thing. Yeah. I um, mean, he's from this town called Hoffenheim and the owner of this team was like, I'm from there. I want to have a, a Bundesliga, which is the, the German premier league version. Okay. I want to have a, a big team. And so he just dumped a whole bunch of money in there, got them promoted from, you know, probably like a, a semi pro level all the way up to the Bundesliga. And now, so the answer to your question is rather than a new team being expanded to or forming, there's probably already a team there. They just need significant investment and a big stadium and players and you know, okay. backroom staff and stuff. So, right. yeah. Okay. Uh, so as I mentioned, back in, in Wimbledon, back in uh, Southeast London, Wimbledon's playing its home games at their, at their main rival. They actually also play some home games at the National Hockey stadium Hmm. which i still don't really see how that works i also think it has an outdoor like half of it is outdoor so i don't know i I don't england's not known for its hockey and i'm also not an english i actually had a buddy that played in in the england hockey league like is that right same here yeah so did they do have a league they do yeah steve i I was looking it up i just looked it up 
after you were mentioning it, they played in the where Milton Keynes, the Milton Keynes Lightning play, which is where our high school one year below us uh, classmate Denny Carney, Denny Carney played for a while. Oh, cool! For the Milton Keynes Lightning, so he played where oh, I don't wow. know if it's the same arena, but it might have one time been a uh, a soccer field also. Well, and we'll get to Milton Keynes because that actually that area plays a role in sort of the history that the more recent history of Wimbledon in a second here, but um, they. Uh, they, they they sort of like wander around between these arenas looking for home game you know where to play home games they've got like three thousand people coming to their games and and um not much is not much is looking good and eventually um they play their last game in 2004 and what happens after this is really unique i actually don't know if there's a precedent for this even even elsewhere in in english premier league soccer if anybody's listening knows it'd be really interesting i'd be really curious about this but what ends up happening is um on paper and and sort of in the courts because the wimbledon fc has since declared bankruptcy and at this point um in the uk they call that uh administration but basically they need to clear their books they either need a new owner or they'll get penalized and sort of like knocked down you know seven not seven two or three leagues they'll basically be put in a position where every subsequent season they'll the 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 way promotion and relegation is is sort of visualized is through this point system so a win is worth three points a draw or a tie is worth uh, one point and Mm -hmm. a loss is worth no points and so winning games gets you three points on this table and it's dynamic you know it's moving all the time as games are being played and essentially what will happen is if, if your team goes into administration or bankruptcy, um, you may incur an immediate penalty, a point deduction of like 10 or 20 points. So you could go from, uh, you know, you could start a season at minus 10. And so you have to win, you have to win three games and tie or win four games to even have a point in the system. Uh-huh. And so, um, Bankruptcy is really bad uh, in, in, in any sport, well, in any sense, um, but uh, unless you're GameStop and then somehow it's worked out really well. <laughs> or AMC. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if, if hey, Is it else... Doge or? Dogecoin. Um, yeah, I know it's Dogecoin, but because, you know, we're obviously in a pandemic, so you don't talk, get to talk to people much about it, but uh my wife and I were talking, is it Dogecoin or like doggy coin? I think it's Dogecoin, but I might be an idiot. What do you we guys, what is Doge. that? We it's like, it's that cryptocurrency. It's a cryptocurrency oh, that dude. kind of has had the same thing going on as GameStop and AMC. It's like all the people on Reddit, like go invest in Do-, and their goal is to get it to $1. Yeah. It's like at three, it started off at like three cents and got up to like seven cents. I don't even know. I don't- it's at four cents right now. <laughs> oh, I, I know it all, man. <laughs> I have it on my phone right now as we see. Did you invest in it? Oh yeah. You invested in Dogecoin? Yeah. Let me know. I want to know about your millions later. I will. I'll <laughs> let you know. Uh Wimbledon FC could use some millions. And at this point in their history, they have uh, a, a real lack of millions. And as I said, they're they play their last game in 2004 before um they come out of administration. Their bankruptcy situation is kind of uh resolved. But what ends up happening is the team is officially, so on paper, relocated to this place. Anthony just mentioned Milton Keynes, which is another part of London. Um, it's actually not London. It's, um, gosh, it's, uh, it's like 50 miles to the north. And so they, 
the team is rebranded and, and becomes what's now called Milton Keynes Dons or MK Dons. Uh, you know what's yeah. crazy also is I realized this after we, we talked a little bit that the last team we did, the LA was the LA Dons. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Note to self, never name team the Dons. We couldn't figure uh, out why they were named the Dons. We were just like... We thought maybe it was a mafia connection or something. Oh, yeah. interesting. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wimbledon, Don is certainly part of, I don't know. I maybe think it's that's like a bird right. or that, something. I mean, it makes yeah. sense for them. Right. Yeah. So, so Milton Keynes Dons becomes a team. Um, it becomes the, the new official team of Wimbledon FC. But again, we put ourselves in the shoes of those, those local fans who they, they've gone to home. They, they went to home games, whether those home games were played at Plow Lane or at the Crystal Palace Stadium or at the Hockey Stadium. Like, either way, they went to home games. Their grandparents went to home games. Their parents took them to home games. Like, you no longer have a team in the area that, that there has been one since 1889. Like, just sort of catastrophe for the, the cultural identity of these fans and really, like, you know, any, any sports fan would just be like crushed. If you think about like Sonics fans or, um, you know, what are some other like franchises that have moved out of, you know, um, yeah, uh, uh, Winnipeg, uh, not Winnipeg, uh, Hartford Whalers. Fans. Yeah. Well, Winnipeg lost there. Andrew would know that he's from Winnipeg. No. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, original to, jets to, well, they became the Phoenix coyotes. Now the oh, Arizona yeah. coyotes. Um, and then, Winnipeg got a what a team back what probably five six years ago 2012 I think or 11 yeah and they moved from Atlanta they were the Atlanta Thrashers okay but like you were a kid you were probably a kid when they moved were you still living in Winnipeg when that happened I was living in Denver by oh then. got it yeah I believe so yeah I think it was right around when we moved because I remember being really sad about it yeah interesting and, yeah as as you can point. relate Andrew but yeah my team. point exactly yeah that's yeah. your team and then that's the only team. I mean, you know other teams, right. um, but but you even you know you you read about the the um, sort of ripple effects of Wimbledon FC being moved to Milton Keynes Dons, not just for fans of their team, but other Premier League teams are like, you know, it it doesn't just affect those fans and that team, but it also affects the league, right? It's like you're used to you're used to going to those stadiums and you know seeing you know there's it's sort of like I don't know. It, it tears a little bit of a hole out of um, the history and, and maybe some of the the feel that away fans experience going to your stadiums, you know, like, right. um, so anyway, so MK Dons is formed 50 miles to the North. And then with Z, almost like none of the original Wimbledon FC fans are going to go support that team. It's just like, it does, doesn't make sense to do for all of the reasons we talked about. So those fans form their own new team. And Andrew, you were kind of asking about this before, like what would happen here? Would a team relocate? Uh, what, what's going on? And, and what ends up happening is they, they form a new team called AFC Association Football Club Wimbledon um, out of the ashes of Wimbledon FC. So those fans are like, you can, you can take our team, you can move them away, you can take the players with them uh, or onto that team. But we need a team here in, in our community. And, and that's what ends up happening is Wimbledon AFC or AFC Wimbledon forms. And um, we'll talk a little bit about kind of the, the dynamics of those teams and where they are now. But, um, you know, just like before, back to 1889, you know, there, there is always, there has always been some team representing this, this part of London. Um, Region, okay. Yeah, the, the, exactly. 
Um, you know, one thing that's interesting that you guys always talk about on the podcast is like, what, what effect did the team have either on the league or like with players that came in or, you know, legacy, you know, did, did some coach or, or, you know, young stud get their start there, you know, and, and Wimbledon FC, like (laughs) their past is less storied from a success metric. You know, they, to, to, I mean, to go from league two to the premier league in 10 years is like pretty incredible, but that doesn't really come with like, um, you know, silverware is what they would say. Like, you know, you, the, the promotion system is also interesting, just like relegation where the bottom three teams in every league are relegated. The top three teams in every league are promoted, but how they determine what those top three teams are is really interesting in the, in, in England the top two teams from the championship are automatically promoted. So if you finish one or two, you're automatically promoted. If you finish three, four, five, or six, you go into like a promotion playoff. And so you, I think like three probably plays six and four probably plays five. Um, There's never like a series, is there, in soccer? uh, They have two-game series, right? Yeah, yeah, home and away leg. Yeah, and that's how this would work. That's exactly how this system would work. So. Um, you know, uh, let's just say four and five, each team would play one game home, one game away. Mm-hmm. And then the winners of those two, just like a semifinal, would meet in a one-game playoff for promotion. So in theory, if you finish sixth in a table of – I forget the championship has more teams than the Premier League. I think it's 24. So if you finish six out of 24, you can theoretically get promoted that same year. It's just kind of a – like it goes from – every win counts to any given Sunday pretty quickly, pretty quickly kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, AFC Wimbledon starts their life down way, way down. I don't even think in the, in the professional, you know, it's in the semi-professional kind of wilderness. And then MK Dons either is in league two or league one after incurring all these penalties from administration. But uh, this is one thing that I think is really cool. You know, we, we, you, you guys talk a lot, as I said, about like, who is important? Why was this team important? Were they important at all? Did they leave a mark kind of on, on the sport or on other players? Or, you know, maybe there was like some sort of veteran player on his way out who mentored some up and coming player. And, um, you know, as I said, Wimbledon FC's trophy cabinet is like pretty barren. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of things to celebrate in there, but they, they win high school. trophy case. (laughs) Exactly. They like, any trophy, whether it was a participation one or not, is going to go in there. Yeah. They do win a very famous um, competition called the FA Cup. They beat Liverpool in, wow. I think it's 1987, 87 or 88 FA Cup, which um, we don't really have a precedent like that in the U.S., but it would be, um, you know, it would be like if in, let's say, professional hockey, because you guys are big hockey fans. So you're not just playing to win to to win the stanley cup but there's like one or two side competitions that happen at the same time mm-hmm. that don't have as much prestige as the stanley cup but are pretty dang important and maybe a team's only chance to win um to win something and so they win the fa cup against liverpool who at the time were the team to beat in europe um they have got some other kind of trophies from lower league uh, accolades Participant um, <laughs> yeah yeah sort of uh, almost you know Sports participated yeah exactly uh 
thanks for playing, see you next year kind of stuff. <laughs> in the context of a lost team, Wimbledon's important and, and kind of an outlier because they have lasted 100 years. And some of the teams that you guys talk about is like five or six, you know. Uh, and, and so from a longevity, and, and I think fans of their team would say they are still represented in AFC Wimbledon, which is the new team that's, that's now in there. Um, they have some famous former players. Um, for anybody that's a fan of like sort of the, the British uh, what action kind of heist movie, um, Snatch features oh, a character, Vi- Vinnie worried. Jones. Yeah. Um, one of the, I forget, I think he's more of a villain figure, kind of like a bruiser type. His name's Vinnie Jones is the actor. He was a long time. Um, great flick. I haven't seen that. Yeah, movie. great movie. Wimbledon FC player. Same with Anthony's favorite character from that movie, an actor named Perry Digweed, uh, <laughs> was also a Wimbledon FC player and featured in that movie as well. I thought you were going to say Jason Statham. Like I was like, damn, that guy took a ball around. Uh, it could be. I mean, he's he's definitely from London because he's yeah. got that like Cockney accent. So who knows? Right. Jason Statham could have been a Wimbledon FC fan. We'll never. This know. is well, like my. If you guys. Can. This is my favorite part of this story. This Vinnie Jones tangent because it's like he. I don't know. Us and we in America probably know him more for his acting because he's been in like Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking mm-hmm. Barrels, X Men. He was in. This is my favorite. Andrew, have you ever seen Euro Trip? Oh yeah, I have. You, you do you know who a character he is in that movie? No, he's the British soccer hooligan who's in the double decker bus going to like wherever they're going. Like oh, I hate oh, I toys. <laughs> like <laughs> I smashes a bottle over and... someone's head. That's yeah, that's did. Vinnie Jones, former professional soccer player in England. For the how old's that movie? It's like 2005. Years? Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, it's like how David Hasselhoff is famous for his music career in Germany, but like we all know him from Baywatch. You know, like it's just oh, you never know where you're over there. Yeah, but he's got uh, the he's got the most legendary scene in Snatch. I mean, my favorite one where he's sitting there, the the like heist guys are standing trying to rob him of the uh, i forget what of what and he's just sitting there like drinking a beer with his two 50 caliber desert eagles and he's like <laughs> yeah. yours says replica mine says desert eagle 0.50 it just like i, I have a horrible british accent <laughs> it's, but it's no so it's good. great i gotta yeah. watch that movie again i haven't watched it in literally good reminder yeah good reminder to watch to watch yeah. Snatch. Yeah. yeah and then beyond those guys um you know wimbledon fc does have some uh people that rep some players that represent their country which is a big deal in soccer you know a lot of games are played at the international level and you have to be very good to do that so dennis wise dave bezant and then um my favorite wimbledon fc alumni is a guy named dean lewington who's who's still active uh he plays for mk don so he has played his entire career for one of the two iterations of wimbledon fc um you know, which Anthony and I talked a little bit about this. It's just, it's cool when a a good player opts to represent the club that sort of gave them their chance or their start and, and never really wants to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Even if they're good enough to play at a higher level or make a whole bunch more money. You see it in soccer a little bit. My my all-time favorite player did that, um, but it's it's exceedingly rare and same within U.S. sports. You know, I, I forget some of the players we talked to in Anthony that but did you well, Bergeron and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, but it's funny. Um... Dean Lewington was he was he like like an uh, an all star kind of player was he just like a life a career professional soccer player footballer I guess if you're for our Fourth European liner. fans like that just yeah. played his whole career in one place. It's a good question. I don't know as much about his 
um, whether or not, like he has played at the championship level. So, you know, one tier below the Premier League. I would guess because he was playing so much so young, like I think he was born in 1984. I know a lot of soccer player birth years, which is weird. Like I can, I don't know much about anything useful other than when certain soccer players were born, but that is a ridiculously yeah. good skill you have where you could just name a soccer player and you know, his birth year. I was like, it's blown away by that. I wish it was That's useful impressive. in some way. It's yeah. You impressive, need useless knowledge. I know. I'm a, I'm a useless knowledge guy. <laughs> a repository for useless knowledge. You know, I, right. I often use repository and have to think before I say it. Cause I'm often convinced <laughs> I'm going to say suppository. <laughs> A suppository of useless information. I mean, like, you could call yourself that too, and it would basically just you'd have you know. We have some friends who are more suppositories of useless information. We're just like, hey, I'm here. You want to know something stupid? And we're like, ah, oh, sweet. Uh, That's a suppository yeah, of coming. useless information. Yeah, exactly. hey, are you here now? <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll get some shirts made. But uh, but your question, yeah, I I doubt. I mean, he played a lot of games very young, which often is just enough to get you know get that big move, or at least to get a shot playing at a higher level um you know i don't think wimbledon fc was you know we talked about the academy system a little bit before um before the podcast on how how players like sort of make it as professionals and he came through the wimbledon fc academy where you're you know you're maybe age six seven eight nine doing school and and then doing soccer part-time he came through that but i he would not have been a uh I don't know. There's probably a good hockey analogy of a player who never won anything but stayed with their team the whole time. Well, that's how I was bringing it up. That's a, in terms of the Boston Bruins, that's a PJ. That's got PJ Axelson written all over it. PJ Axelson. Wow. Spent his whole career, I think, ten seasons total with the Boston Bruins, and then whenever he wasn't playing for the Boston Bruins, whether it was during the lockout or after he left the NHL, he played for a Furlanda hockey club in Sweden. Like he only played for two professional teams: one in the United States, one in Sweden. And was like was never yeah. he was a good never, player too. Yeah, Decent he never player. like set the world on fire, but he was always pretty good. That's my Dean Lewington comparison. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That no, that's fair. I I like I'm super interested in players and you know why they make those decisions and you know I don't know other. Uh, I threw out a few f- hockey names last time, and Anthony was like, "Nope, nope, nope, nope." All those guys played on other teams. So well, I was going to say Joe Thornton, but he was a Bruin. And now he's yeah. a Maple Leaf. So well, uh, Joe Sakic was uh, always what, with the Avs. Yeah, Nordiques, yeah. and then Avalanche. But same, right. same thing. Move, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's some Red Wings players that played their whole career there. I feel like Eisen, oh, Eisenman, yeah, Lindstrom, yeah. yep. So anyway, that's uh, th- those are the famous players, and as I said, the uh, the effect on the sport that that Wimbledon has, um, sort of their legacy is uh, to to be kind of in maybe the only case where two teams came out of one. You know, we have MK Dons, we have AFC Wimbledon. Uh-huh. They're one of only three teams to ever win the FA Cup, and and it's the, uh, sort of like the the non top four tiers have a similar competition called the FA Trophy. They're one of only three clubs to win both. And then, uh, I don't know, to, to retain a fan base for a team that's probably playing seven tiers below, AFC Wimbledon, once they are reformed at the same time. But to get all of the fans from FC from Wimbledon FC to come there is like pretty cool, a pretty cool thing. So um, both, both Wimbledon FC, or both AFC Wimbledon and MK Dons are, I think, now playing each other 
in League One, which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, uh, but but how those play out, or whether one of those teams becomes a Premier League team in the future, we we will just have to wait and see. I'm gonna yeah. look at the standings real quick because I want to see if either of them are like in the like in the top what top six of their league right of League now. One. Yeah. Are they? Do they have fans over there with COVID? Uh, good question. Sometimes if you watch yeah. games, they pipe in crowd noise because it's really weird yeah. to just listen. I mean, same with the U S sports. Like it's just right. weird to hear the players like chirping at each other or like a ball bouncing, you know, it's just like a weird yeah. phenomenon. Um, uh, it really is. They have had some fans be able to go in, but it's like, you know, 2% of the max capacity sure. kind of thing. Uh, so as of now, um, AFC Wimbledon is how many games are there in the season? Like, it can't be more than what 20 something you play each team twice so so 50 there's yeah. 24 teams all right so they're half about halfway through the season afc wibbledon is uh in the bottom four so as of now in danger of being relegated and mk dons are 16th so kind of in the middle of the pack but not really in the uh, relegation or uh promotion, promotion battle picture. we gotta so find I'd an say- mk dons t-shirt somewhere <laughs> Yeah, their their logo is like terrible. Pretty bad. They need Chevron. (laughs) Oh, that's their military rank. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, the MK Don's uh, logo. It's like a gold and black. It looks like a like a like a what goes on the shoulder of like a military uniform. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say invest in some vintage Wimbledon FC gear before you get either of the new teams uh, branded. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> or buy some Tromso FC. That's my favorite Norwegian team that plays way up north. Tromso FC. That's a good name. That's well, it's yeah. a bad name if you're. Sounds. It's, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's like T R O M S and then O with the line oh, through it, okay. which I think just you basically just breathe out instead of saying anything. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Oh, anyway, that's Wimbledon FC, guys. All that right. Is well, thanks, awesome. man. That was great. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I'm just going to need you to close this out by giving me your best uh, Cockney slash, uh, what's the guy's name that we always, uh, uh, the guy, the actor who plays the butler in Batman, uh, Tim Michael Caine. Michael Caine, something like, uh, like, uh, oi, is David there doing a yeah. bit of DIY? Something yes. like that. That's it's good. so good. Yours is the do, best it, by DIY. far. DIY, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up then. We'll just um, we'll do a little bit of DIY. Sorry, uh, <laughs> that was more Australian. Uh, but yeah, you can find me at uh, Delhi Tweets on Twitter. That's D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T-S and The Media Delhi on Instagram. Uh, Andrew, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at A-W-L-E-N-N, A-W-N. And then also um, I write for um, a web, a fantasy sports website called rotoballer.com. Got it. And Steve, anywhere they can find you on Twitter if they just want to discuss English soccer or anything like that? You can just find me on Robinhood investing in GME for the next two (laughs) weeks. Uh, Get on that doge, dude. Yeah, I I am actually, I'm, I'm not as, I'm more of a voyeur on Twitter, but if anybody would like to get a hold of me, let Anthony or Andrew know and we'll find out. There we a way. go. All right. Have a good one, guys.